Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Peanut Popper. Peanut Popper. Right. Yeah. Remember that song? Oh, from the freaking from the freaking game, which we'll get into. From the game that we played. Oh man. Double episode this month. Um, let's talk about that for a hot minute. Don't get used to it. Don't get used to it. <laughs> Please don't. We're not, we're not coming back to this schedule. Honestly, even this almost fucked us this month. <laughs> in a lot of ways, we were busy this month and piling in two games with it was rough. But yeah, uh, well, this game should be releasing this Thursday. We're recording this on the 18th. This will be releasing on the 20th. 20th. And then we have Dead Space coming out next because the official Halloween episode. Look forward to that. Um, that'll be a, a good recording. Um, I don't, maybe I just know because we just did it. I don't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, we, uh, when we did the voting, actually, we had a tie between the Cory and dead space. So we said, fuck it. You know, the Cory will be a fun one for Lucas and I to play together. You know, it's a, it's like a couch co-op game. Um, so we said, screw it. Let's do both. And here we are now, um, October 18th recording. And I got to say, Lucas, um, well, before we get into it, I have a few things I want to say. One, I'm still playing cyberpunk. And and loving you know, every every single uh, loving every of second of it, you know. I, I think I told you this last time you were over, but we played that. We we like as even as far as combat goes, we really only scratched the surface of that game. And I'm discovering so many new things that we just didn't explore when you and I had played it for the first time. Um, and I'm just having such a good time with it. You know, I'm finding all the characters even more endearing this time around, and more invested in the lore and the story. Um, every time, uh, I'm just like so pro Keanu now. It's crazy. Because if you go back and listen to that episode, I was like hard anti Keanu Reeves. Um, I'm just like so convinced he's doing a great job now. And I'm really curious to see how he'll do in the DLC. Because he's coming back for the DLC too. Wow. So I'm really curious to check that out when it's released. Um, and I'm loving it. And this October has also been a big month for anime. I don't think we've talked too much about it. But we have Blue Lock, Mob Psycho 100, My Hero Academia, and Chainsaw Man. Oh, My Hero's um, back. Coming up. Yep, my hero's back. It's pretty good right now. Actually, I recommend checking it out if you haven't. But um, Chainsaw Man has been one that has been highly anticipated for a while. And I just got to say, it has so far been worth the wait. It is so fucking good so far. I, I am adoring it. Um, I highly, highly recommend everyone, you know, if if you're a fan of anime, um, go check out Chainsaw Man. The way I would describe it is a bit more kind of like... Jujutsu Kaisen, but a bit more, a little bit more serious, a little bit more dark, and a little, and in some ways almost more uh, flamboyant is the word I'm eccentric mm. is the word I'm going to use. Okay, um, I, like that. That I, I think cool. the characters are argued. Some of the characters might be a bit more eccentric with their mannerisms. I think it's fair to say. Um, highly recommend you go check it out. Uh, the manga was great. Read the manga if you want, but I'm very excited to watch the rest of the show get animated. And Mappa's doing it too. And if you may remember, Mappa is also the ones doing season four of Attack on Titan. And they just got shit on for how bad the CGI was with their Titans. And mm-hmm. I gotta say, the the chain like when the character turns into the chainsaw man, he is CGI. And um I well, I would still prefer hand drawn. I, I think this is actually, you know, it's pretty good CGI, all things considered, for what it is, you know? Good. Awesome. Um, That's good to hear. So I'm, I'm, I'm just very bullish. And you know, the episode, I watched the episode today. It was great. 
and I'm really excited to see what else they uh, continue to do with the series. Is it, is it a week by week thing or is it all out? It's a, it's weekly. Yeah. Okay. I for sure and probably binged it by now. <laughs> we're on episode two or three, two. We just okay. aired two just aired today on the 18th. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, you're we're on opposite sides of the spectrum right now. Me and Katie are watching the Muppets. I. I don't know. I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> Zero? Really? I feel like you got something to say about that. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a... Have you seen it? Am I am I thinking of something else? I'm thinking of... The Muppets. Like Kermit the Frog. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Fozzie. Animal. It doesn't really seem like a, uh, a Halloween thing at all. <laughs> or like i guess yeah well, i don't know okay. like i wouldn't peg lucas to be watching them i wouldn't peg katie to be watching the muppets the other the other day we were trying to find something to watch on disney plus just because that's like the only thing that like it's just oh i have other things i have netflix and hulu and stuff but like i'm signed into someone else's hulu i didn't have netflix on my phone it was just a mess so we have disney plus we have like a shared account there what do you what no, keep going. I just have something very important to say after. So, so we we're looking for something to watch. We saw the Muppets show, like the more recent one. That's like a mockumentary show within a show. Muppets, where Miss Piggy's like a late night talk show host, okay. and like Kermit's a showrunner, and it's like a mockumentary style. It's pretty funny, pretty good. I we, no, we like the Muppets. We'll check it out. Um, did you know, Lucas? <laughs> there is a Courage the Cowardly Dog and Scooby Doo collab. I did not know where that. TV where did that come from? I did not know that. What was what TV is that? show? Yeah, um, I believe it's on Netflix. Um, a friend of mine on uh, someone I follow on Instagram posted it today, um, and yeah, they did like a collab little TV special called Straight Out of Nowhere. Scooby Doo, you know, what came out in twenty twenty one. Oh, it's on HBO Max. Wow. Um, and yeah, I, I have like no idea how this didn't make more noise. But um, yeah, Scooby-Doo and Courage the Cowardly Dog had a collab. So I'm definitely going to be interested to uh, <laughs> check this one out. Dude, later. whoa. Yeah. Is the whole... Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Looks, looks hot. The whole, the whole gang's in it. Yeah. No, it is... Um, it is yeah. <laughs> it is Scooby-Doo and Courage exactly as it sounds. And I just... I'm so, I, I'm just so shocked this didn't break the internet. I guess um, is where I'm coming from. So I'm I'm definitely gonna set aside set aside some time here in the next probably couple weeks to try and watch this one because uh, I just can't believe this exists. <laughs> Man, we were just talking about courage like last week on our recording too. So this, yeah. is, this is perfect timing here. All <laughs> right, well, cool. Uh, anybody that's seen it, please let us know. Matt, if anybody wanted to just like reach out and tell us if they saw this movie and they liked it, how could they possibly get a hold of us? I mean, the internet's a big place. It is a big place, my friend, and that's why everyone needs to know. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at TFP Podcasts. That's TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. As well, if the good people want, they can shoot us an email at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. And you can also find our website, thanksforplaying.live. Uh, if you go to the link tree on any of our social media handles or to our website, thanksforplaying.live, you'll find a link to our Discord. Come hang out. It's a good time. Great little community we got going on there. A lot of great people. And it's also the best place to reach myself and Lucas. All right. Perfect. We got all that out Ooh. of the way. It is now time to talk about... What are we talking about, Matt? <sighs> Lucas, today we are talking about the number one summer camp simulator. 
the chord. That is right, the brand new 2022 interactive horror game by Supermassive. 7 out of 10 from IGN, 8.5 out of 10 from Game Informer, 9 out of 10 on GameSpot, and a 74 out of 100 on Metacritic for the PS5 version, which is the version that we played. The Quarry. What did, what did you say IGN gave it? A 7. Okay. Interesting. Um, which is on the money right. for the Metacritic rating. Yeah. Lucas, did you ever go to summer camp growing up? I, I went to one summer camp as a sophomore in high school. It was a week-long leadership, Rotary Youth Leadership Academy camp. Okay. How was that? It was great. It yeah? was great. Yeah. Any, any scandalous summer romances? Uh, yeah, we had, like, groups, and, like, two members of my group, like, had, like, a little summer romance thing. Um, there was, like, a group of six oh, of us. okay. Um, nice. <laughs> this is a core memory. The guy's name was Jack Bauer, funny enough. Stock like from 24. Yeah. Um, sorry, <laughs> like Jack Bauer. I'm not sure there's multiple Jack Bauer. I'm, I really doubt that Jack Bauer's listening to this. But, yeah, it was just, like, a random, uh, you know, summer fling thing. Um, and, you know, we had some cool counselors and stuff like that, you know, had was friends with everybody on Facebook through high school for a little while, but that was that was about it. Love it. I, too, went to summer camp growing up. I went several times, for those that don't know. I don't know if this has ever come up on the podcast, actually, but I was in Boy Scouts growing up. Um, verified Eagle Scout here, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I went to summer camp a lot growing up, but, man, Lucas... Nothing that I experienced um, quite comes close to what's cracking over in the quarry. Uh, we're going to dive into the quarry here in a minute here, folks. But really quickly for you all, I would like to just give a brief summary of the quarry. This is a very story-heavy game. So I'm going to keep, you know, give you the basic overline here, brief synopsis. Um, then we'll do our best to kind of keep the spoilers semi-light throughout the episode. But... Fair warning, spoilers will ensue. All right. The Cory. The Cory takes place in, you guessed it, Hackett's Cory, the location of a summer camp for young kids. The players take the role of several characters throughout the game, all who are attending Hackett's Cory um, as summer camp counselors. As the summer camp concludes and the last night of Hackett's Cory begins, the group finds that they are not alone in the woods. And they have to game plan. To survive the horrors that await them in Hackett's Corey. All right. Great little synopsis there. I mean, there's there's a lot to dive into in terms of the actual plot of what happens with it. We, I don't think we're even going to cover everything that we could even in this even this extended podcast format. So, yeah, I mean, the game is the story. I mean, if you just yeah. kind of you could read through a lot of it and even like reading through just like the plot line on like Wikipedia and stuff, it still doesn't I feel like it still doesn't even really give you all the little things that happen, especially they boast that there are 186 different endings in this game, according to Supermassive. Um, I doubt that there's a <laughs> I, I, I kind of doubt that there's 186 endings that you can really distinguish. It's probably just like mathematically there's a lot because someone could die and then eight people can live and then another person can die and then another eight people can live. And it just turns into 186. It's like, doesn't exactly change like the overall plot. Of yeah. The I saw that too. And I was kind of 
in the same same vein as you. That said, though, it is worth acknowledging. You know, let's say even one combination of death is different than you expect, or like you know, two P characters die and said that maybe lived in a different run through. That is going to affect you know dialogue later on in the game. So while it may not affect the overall ending that much, it does affect the game quite a bit, which I think is worth mm-hmm. acknowledging. Um, but yeah, and you know, just kind of dive in the, the little history of it. I mean, this is super massive games, right? Um, these kind of games have really become their, you know, bread and butter over the years. You know, they did um, Until Dawn, they did Man of, I believe it's called Man of Medan. Um, that was a big series he did. Mm-hmm. They did another one called, oh, give me one sec. Um, oh gosh. Hidden Agenda for the PS4 as well. Um, and then, yeah, the Dark Pictures Anthology. The Dark Pictures Anthology in general. Have been the big um, ones. Um, I think we talked about House of Ashes not not too long ago as well. That's the um, one where yes. they're like go, they go into like that underground kind of cavern type of thing. I think Ashley Tisdale's in that one. Oh, is she? Mm-hmm. Ashley Tisdale or Hayden Penteer? You got him confused last time. Ashley Tisdale's in this one. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of funny. They're just taking like Disney. Oh, you're right. Like yeah. Disney people. Yeah, because Ashley Tisdale's in this one, and then in in Dark Pictures Anthology uh, House of Ashes, which was the one that came out in 2021. So I guess last year. And then the Quarry is now. Man, they're really pumping these out. And then the they Quarry are. comes yeah. out with um, Brenda Song, who's a playable character in this game. That's insane, actually, that they're able to really produce like two games that quickly, uh, especially for like how big these games kind of feel. Yeah, no, it's it's very okay, impressive. Props. Um, props to them on that, yeah. But this is pretty much at this point, Supermassive's bread and butter are these you know, choice-driven, narrative-driven games. And they've also really... Actually, I'm not even going to call this narrative-driven, but choice-driven. <laughs> uh, choice-driven yeah. games... And, you know, they've really divin in, or they've also dove into the VR a bit in the past as well uh, with yeah. Intel Dawn, some like stuff there. And, you know, it's a pretty recent game. Uh, it came out in June 2022. You know, it was kind of touted as the spiritual successor to uh, Intel Dawn. Um, you know, we can kind of get into that, whether or not it succeeds in that. But, um, yeah, pretty new June 2022. Heard about it in the PlayStation State of the Union. And, yeah. I saw it immediately wanted to kind of play it because I had a good time with until dawn and I'm glad we held, I held off and you know, we got to do it for the podcast here today. But, uh, yeah. first impressions, Lucas, what do you, what do you got for me? Yeah. So, uh, just so everybody knows, you know, me and Matt sat and played this game together, just like we did until dawn last year. Um, you know, I went over to Matt's place on three different sessions. You know, we had some beers, he made me some gimlets and, uh, we just played the quarry. Uh, it was a ton of fun to play. Uh, I think like it's the day started getting a lot shorter. Uh, the day started getting a lot colder. So it was literally just like, it was a vibe, you know, go to the gym, get a workout in, go for a run or something, take a shower, throw on the sweats in the big, in the big hoodie or like the crew neck and then go over to Matt's who's like, you know, five minutes away from my place. Luckily, um, it was a vibe, you know, it feels like fall. It was like, we're sitting in playing a scary game and everything, uh, and everything about, the scenario that I'm describing is like peak living, right? Just like getting to play some video games with the buds, like drink some beer, have some dinner, whatever. However, the game itself, for me, not so much. 
Uh, I, I'm, this is probably the biggest disconnect from like the quality of a game and how much I enjoyed the sessions playing the game. Probably the biggest disconnect of that I've had in a very long time where like I, I think on so many levels this game does actually fall short. And I think we're going to agree with a lot of them, you know, where I'm definitely going to talk about like some of these weird facial animations that are going on. I'm definitely going to talk about the weird water. I don't know what the fuck was going on with the water and why they even go went to they were in water way too many times. If they couldn't figure out how to animate water, they shouldn't have been anywhere near it. Um, I'm going to talk about the generic like monster that they had that basically was the same exact monster that was in until dawn. Uh, I'm going to talk about how, you know, it it was a little too generic without what well, it was self-aware that it was generic but it was too generic if that makes sense um there's a lot of things that that i think it failed on um but the, my enjoyment of the game was not was was 100 percent there that's my first yeah experience. yeah you know it, it kind of reminds me of when we played through what was it the takes, uh oh uh the jailbreak one um oh my a way out a way out. It reminds me of when we played a way out. One of a Joseph Frost's games, who uh, I feel like just invoking his name is just gonna he's just gonna knock on my door. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is another game that way I feel like both you know objectively agreed wasn't a great game, but we had fun playing. Um, so I'm excited to <laughs> dive into this one a bit more here. But the biggest thing that jumps out on me in this game is just it doesn't look as good as until dawn um i I don't know why that is you know the faces just looked kind of off to me in this game and i don't know if that's a result of the motion tracking just being bad whatever they were using um but i think like largely it just kind of worked not as good as looked not as good as until dawn i don't remember the water looking that bad in until dawn which we'll get into more um I think the game, as far as the mechanics in it, outside of the decision-making, like the quick time events, were insultingly actually dumbed down. Yeah, um, dude. Ugh. And the characters and the performances were just kind of largely a bit more one-dimensional and uninteresting. Um, I actually came around a bit more on um, one of the characters you're first introduced to, the cop, actually played by Sam Raimi's brother, I believe. Uh, Ted, I think it's Ted Raimi. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he's actually one of the more interesting characters, which we get into more. But yeah, just an interesting kind of a step down in a lot of ways from Until Dawn, I think. But like Lucas said, I had a lot of fun playing it. So I was just, yeah, like Lucas said, just it was a vibe. I got, you know, I had my pumpkin spice candle lit, just uh, (laughs) drinking some beer, you know, have some cocktails and playing some video games. There's a lot more you can ask for out of life than that with your friends. So it was a good time, but uh, we can get into it here. But a little bit before we get into it, Lucas, let's just kind of talk about the overall, you know, story of it all and the setting. I mean, yeah, it's pretty. I mean, to be fair, until dawn, it's literally just until dawn. But like, instead of a summer, instead of a a one night party in in the mountains, it is, you know, it's a, the final night, a, one night of- final party, basically for a summer camp counselor yeah. group you know it's the yeah, same yeah. kind of the group like young adults teenagers i guess they're all i'm guessing they're they all like, like 21 age. 22 yeah you know, yeah um ages and it's just like a very kind of you know classic trope kids in the woods getting up to no good being chased by monsters um which 
is fine. You know, I, I, I think I forget where I heard it recently, actually, but I think it's okay to have a very basic story. Like the way you make a good, you know, story is the story itself is very basic, but then you make the characters interesting, right? You make their mm-hmm. journeys interesting. Um, but in this case, the characters all were not very interesting either. Um, but the story itself, right? So we have a bunch of camp counselors uh, getting ready to leave summer camp. And basically, homeboy wants to get one more night with his girl. Uh, so he, you know, sabotages the car. They end up spending one night there. And then everything goes to shit. But what I found just really remarkable about it was just how dry everything felt from the conversations to the dialogue to the monsters, you know, the big bad in this, everyone is a werewolf. And the first time you see the werewolf or the werewolves, you know, it's like an infection going around. Basically you can get infected. The first time Lucas and I saw the werewolf in the game, we both looked at each other and we thought, was that a Wendigo? Like, yeah. So that was, it looks, the stature is exactly like a Wendigo. Um, it's like furless, like a Wendigo. It just looks totally like a Wendigo. And I even looked up just pictures to compare them before we recorded this. And barring the werewolves having like more pronounced canines, um, cause they're like, you know, werewolves, dogs, whatever. They look very, almost near identical to the Wendigos. It's actually pretty, it's pretty sad. It's it's very very disappointing that that. Like even like, if they just gave them like a, a snout, you know, like a little bit more werewolfy. That's all I ask. You know, throw some yeah. fur on them, a snout, um, anything just to kind of make them a more interesting, you know, antagonist throughout the story. Um, but yeah, just super uninspired monster design. And then my God, Lucas, the dialogue in in this was just so atrocious um <laughs> what was one there was like a some low lights in there there was one where so, some character insulted another character and then it was like hey fuck you or, it, or was it like hey uh, shut uh, up someone someone like cracked a joke at someone and this guy just says <laughs> you're a fucker oh yeah you're a fucker <laughs> oh my god dude yeah. i there, I mean, it's it's like uh, moment to moment, it was really rough. Uh, yeah. And like, uh, sorry, continue, continue. Well, yeah, I, I was just going to add to, I mean, this is kind of bleeding into gameplay a little bit because I think a big part of this inherent, you know, a big part of a game like this, the story is inherently tied very closely to the gameplay. And it kind of felt like they were, you know, Supermassive was so focused on, trying to make sure that they did build a branching narrative that they forgot to, that they were also making a narrative. Yeah. If that makes sense. Dude, I totally agree with that. Yeah. But I, yeah, just, yeah. I think in terms like one of the, the tough things about a game like this, it's such a double edged sword, right? Like you have so much branching storyline, so much branching gameplay, but that also means that something must be sacrificed. Right. And like, it means that, Certain storylines are going to be weaker. Certain dialogue options are not going to be as dynamic, very strong. Um, Sometimes you go down this path like, um, I mean, let's say, you know, hypothetically, you can go down this path and talk to this character, or you can go down this path and talk to another character. Well, that, you know, you can't do both. You have to do one or the other. 
And one of those is going to have good, one of those is going to have better dialogue than the other, like factually, right? One of them is going to be a, a cooler instance, a funnier joke, like a more dynamic thing that happens, something compelling. And you, the truth is when you're doing all these branching storylines as a player, you're not quite sure. You're always kind of asking yourself if, oh, did we do something back there that would have affected this one? Did I say something wrong? Did I like, should I have chosen the different dialogue option? And then we could have gotten a different result an hour later, right? Could we have chosen this path and gotten a, a better piece of dialogue? So it's just, I mean, it's hard to write a high quality enough story and you know, dialogue in general, but it's definitely hard to do so when you're taking into account all of these branching narratives and storylines and stuff. And yeah, if, yeah, I think some of the cooler stuff is like at the beginning where you don't really have that many branching dialogues. Um, you know, it kind of, it's kind of, you can tell in the difference, like in the middle things start kind of like, Sometimes you don't even really know what you're like experiencing in terms of like, wait, did he like who died? Who's that? Who killed him? Who's that werewolf? And like, you don't know like who there's like three werewolves in the game. But then when one person gets bit by one, you don't know who it was. And then you don't even realize who you kill at a certain point when you have to shoot a werewolf in a cage. And it, you find out later and you just like your decisions that you make just like affect all these things that you don't know. And uh, I don't know. It's it's. Help me out here. It just like drives me nuts. <laughs> well, what was remarkable about the game too was because you know you and when we when you and I had played uh uh when you and I had played until dawn, I, I think as we were making decisions in the game and as we saw the consequences to that, it was very palpable how something else might have gone differently. You know, mm -hmm. whereas when we were playing this game, I know you and I had the same thought was how have more people not died yet? Or like, are you missing death opportunities? You know, like in the last game, it was very clear, like someone probably would have died here if we chose differently, but that was a much more unclear in this game. But in this game, it's completely possible. And very early on, actually, and you know, parts we just happened to choose right, that we could have had a lot more of our characters die very early on. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we didn't pick up on these were death situations is actually... So this is in my mind, I was really trying to like make heads or tails of this, but it's actually in a weird way, both a compliment and a criticism. Um, it's a compliment in the sense that the, you're able to mask these different possible storylines so well and like possible choices so well that like I can't even fathom how something could have gone differently. But then it's a criticism because while you're playing the game, then you just think that your choices it inherently led me to think that my choices aren't even mattering right now. Mm -hmm. And that like I would have gotten to this, you know, point A regardless of what I chose, right? Or point B, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. My I think my take on that too, um, kind of similar, is like when you make a decision in this game, it's hard to tell, like it's just a, a decision. It's not, it's oftentimes not a very informed decision based off of anything. Sometimes it is, right? Like, oh, are you going to run? Or are you going to hide? You know, is this thing really good at finding people that are hiding or is it worth running from, right? So like there, you can kind of gather if it's the right move to do that. But there was literally a decision near the end where you're, you were playing as Brenda Song and it was like, do you go to the window or do you go on like the little beam to like hide from this monster, run from this monster, right? There was no way to know what was the right decision. Like I just had the guide and I said, oh, you, you made the right choice. You were supposed to go on that beam. But like, 
there was no, there was no dialogue that we found. There was no sort of like there was no reason for you to think that you should have gone the beam. You literally just picked a choice, right? Mm -hmm. and it felt like when the game does this sort of thing, it's like you know there was a choice earlier in the game that you also made blind that could have led to that choice. And there's just so much that you don't see that you're just making decisions based on nothing, right? Like I, it was like, do you swim to shore or do you stay on the island? I swam to shore and fucking Max died. And I was, I felt nothing because it was like, okay, like, was I supposed to be to fair know though? That was that an was informed decision. That wasn't, okay, yeah. But like, it's, that was an informed decision because uh, we heard the monster. Because no, because they literally talk about how they're afraid of water. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But like, it just feels like. But there were other examples lame. I know you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just feels lame to go like, okay, A or B. B, dead. Okay. It just, it's just like, okay, we died, yeah. I guess. Because even that, that did happen with uh, the blonde chick when it was like, okay, do you check in the attic? Yes or no. It kind of felt like when she died because we checked in the attic, it felt like nothing too. I agree. But I got to say, I remember that moment. And I remember you choosing to check in the attic. And I thought, really? You're going to, seems like something's going to get us. <laughs> Something got us. Yeah. Well, whatever. It just is just, it's just a choice. It's just a blind choice. The sentiment is there though. And yeah, the, the point we're getting at is the choices just feel largely uninformed in this game. Whereas we didn't really feel that in Until Dawn. Um, like I think a great example in Until Dawn of an informed choice is one of our characters died. Um, uh, the girl that sicko mode was dating who I don't even know mm -hmm. if we called him by, I forget what his, I don't even know what his was. name is, dude. But anyways, you know, we're, we were playing her in like in a cave system and we go to investigate a noise. That sounds like one of our friends asking for help, but we should have known that that friend couldn't have realistically been there. And then we get there yeah. and it's a Wendigo that kills us. But then there was dialogue earlier in the game or like, I forget like how, but we knew at that point, like, Oh, these Wendigos can like mimic sound basically. So like we knew yeah. that it was possible that it was trying to lure us in and kill us. That so was that's like that an was example cool. of yeah. like, and that's how you should decision. do it. That's how, that's yeah. how you should do it. And I think the, tr the, the annoying part with, with this game and you know, the Corey in multiple instances where, you know, you really there because there's so many branching paths, it's, it's very possible to miss a lot of things. And in fact, the big, one of the big mechanics is like, you find these tarot cards throughout the game. There's a collectible that you find, which is basically a tarot card on, you know, well, there's multiple tarot cards per chapter. Um, you find a tarot card and then in between each chapter, you kind of go and talk to this narrator type character who is a fortune teller. And this is very similar to what they do in Until Dawn. You talk to this like random character who seemingly random character who's like talking directly to the audience, you, and kind of informing you about the world. This fortune teller uh, asks you to pick, let's say you find two tarot cards. She asks you to pick one and you get to see the future of one of those things, right? So again, a 50-50 choice of whose future you're going to see and you see a real quick scenario where one of the characters dies and it you you now know that you could possibly avoid that scenario, you know? So that right there, it's like you're still blindly choosing to see the future of somebody and I guess that could inform a decision that you're going to make but a lot of times we didn't, we maybe didn't even end up seeing that one because we made a choice in the middle of that chapter that didn't even lead to that 
predicted thing that we should have seen. And, and even then, sometimes then the, it was just hard to see what it was too. Yeah, what was shown in the tarot cards was just like very. It was so quick. <laughs> I know it was impossible to see, like even what it was. Yeah. All right, but uh, yeah, moving. Yeah, I, we're kind of already got into. We are really focusing, you know, on game design now. So, for any of you unfamiliar with this game, um, the best way I can describe this is it's like playing through a movie. You know, the main mechanics are you can move your character around. There's some exploration, like clue collecting, evidence collecting, and then quick time events. Those are really the core uh, game mechanics. Then, of course, decisions as far as like, do you want to run or hide? Do you want to, you know, shoot or whatever it may be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, that that um kind of sums up the core of the game and kind of the gameplay mechanics of it. Um, there are a few parts here that were kind of frustrating, though. In particular, what I noticed, like for example, when you're collecting evidence, you can't really examine the evidence or the clues as the game goes on. That was a great lame. example. Is um, there's a moment where you collect Laura's like a letter from Laura, one of the um, Hackett kids. And it, I, I, you find out after the game, when you read that letter, like in the credits, Oh, like that was Laura, like basically confessing to a major part of the plot where like, uh, I don't want to get into it completely, but basically like if we, if I had been able to read that letter, in the game, it would have clarified so much for me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but and like I picked up the letter by all accounts. I should have been able to read it, but I wasn't able to do it there. And I'm like 95% sure you're able to examine evidence in until dawn. I could be remembering it incorrectly, but it's pretty disappointing to see that here. Um, it is worth acknowledging as well. You know, I, I think some people may want the true movie experience with this game. And they do have an optional movie mode. And what that does is it disables elements of the game, such as the button mashing parts of it, um, the quick time events, as well as the aiming and shooting portions. I don't know how they would. You set the personality. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah, you set player personality and then you let the whole thing play out. So um, that's kind of fun. Yeah, it's it sounds pretty cool. Uh, I mean, at that point, like, it just, I don't know, It's it feels weird like you're kind of eliminating the spirit of what, it, at that point, just there's there's probably higher quality TV shows that are horror shows that you could watch, you know, or like you could just watch a horror movie that's better at that point. Yeah. It's just like you're not yeah. playing the game, you're just watching a less good version. Like the thing that makes it special, which would be playing through and like finding all these weird things, like finding tarot cards, like interacting with the medium, that all goes away with this movie mode. I get it why it's there, but I, I'm just I'm curious at who's playing that movie mode. Yeah, yeah. And then speaking on the tarot cards, yeah. So as you're going through the game, like we mentioned, you can collect tarot cards, which kind of give you an opportunity to get a little glimpse into the future. And as well, throughout the game, you're also working to collect um, evidence and clues. And these serve as a way for you to kind of piece together what's really going on. And then you are able to piece everything together. Uh, in the end credits, a podcast that is referenced um in the game actually ends up doing like an episode on the incident that happened at Hackett's Quarry. And based on the amount of evidence you got, they kind of pieced together for you what really mm-hmm. happened. Um and on the note, just a very odd ending credits scene. Like uh, Lucas left, I remember, and I was just sitting there listening to like this weird ending credits podcast for like 20 minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> it goes and on. It still for wasn't that long, done, right? and I finally just turned it off. So I kind of 
to me, it was odd that the only way to get clarity on some of like the evidence and clues that I collected was to wait 20 minutes after the game ended and listen to like a really janky podcast on it. Um, <laughs> the game has, like Lucas mentioned, 186 different possible endings, you know, different combinations of players that live and um, characters that die. Um, and while this doesn't really affect the overall ending too much, um, it does affect, you know, obviously the character interactions as the game goes on. It is worth acknowledging that depending on how much evidence you do collect, you do have basically the option to take on another um, another kind of like kind of get the game's true ending where you can kind of have the opportunity to put an end to the werewolf curse entirely, um, as well as the choices leading up to that point um, strongly affect if you get the opportunity to even do that, depending on like what characters are alive and stuff like that. Uh, after your first playthrough, you get a death rewind mode as well as an 80s throwback yeah, mode. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Um, that feels weird. I mean, how how can that actually functionally work if like you made a decision like two hours ago that would have killed somebody? Yeah, I don't really know, um, but that's okay. But it's there for those <laughs> that want it. But yeah, point it, point I'm trying to get across though that you know this is just a very traditional choice driven single player game. Yeah. Do you have any particular... Actually, I really do want to dig in on how incredibly rudimentary I thought the QuickTime events here were. Dude, those um, QuickTime events sucked. They were nowhere I remember near as good as Until Dawn. Nowhere, yeah, I remember in Until Dawn, like when a QuickTime event was happening, you and I were genuinely on our game, like yeah, being mindful yeah. of what was going on. Like These were like very the quick breathing, sequences that you had to press. Um, the holding whereas, the breath mechanic thing. Yeah, <sighs> whereas in... The Cory, the quick time events were limited just simply to swiping your analog stick and then gave you ample time to do it every time. Um, and the Until Dawn had a really cool mechanic where, you know, the PS4 controller as well had motion, like rudimentary motion detectors in it. So it had moments in the game where you had to basically just sh sit still with your controller to, and not move to not get caught by the monster. And that was really cool, too, because what was great about that in that game was they would kind of throw it at you randomly. So it would happen. It, you wouldn't even have time to set the controller down because if you did that, that'd be too much motion. So you had to genuinely just hold it. Yep. And the kind of version of that they had in this game was um, a quote-unquote hold-your-breath mechanic where you literally just hold press X to hold your character's breath so you don't like let out a gasp. But... I don't know. It was just so dumb because it wasn't like challenging. You just literally held X. And there were a couple times too where the idea is you hold X until it's safe. You know, you hold your breath until it's safe till the enemy's gone. And there were a couple times Lucas and I did it and the characters still were getting in trouble no matter how long we held it. You know, there's like no clear time of when to breathe. So kind of just an all around whack. Uh, yeah, whack super whack quick time event stuff. Pretty yeah. whack quick time events. Yeah. yeah, and even, okay, one one major thing too was like there was that quick time event where um, I believe it was Abigail was trying to help um, was it Jacob? Um, Abigail was like, you were controlling Abigail at a certain point and like the quick time event it didn't even matter. Like it was very clear that it was like, oh, do you want to save him or do you want to go this way? And like, do you want to run? Oh, that was with hide? Nick. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like in, in both cases, basically the same exact thing happened. Like the monster got you, bit you, bit him, whatever. And like, it was just, I just felt like, like the quick time events didn't really have any sort of risk to them. 
And like, I, I would even go as far as to doubt that like you could have even genuinely died at that part in the game. And like, mm -hmm. I'd be very surprised if Abigail could have died during that quick time event because it felt like we failed like one or two or like just didn't do one or clearly made the wrong decision that would have got her killed and she just didn't get killed. Um, and I felt like there was a lot of moments like that with the quick time events, you know, so it was either a 50 50 chance that you get killed or a zero percent chance that you get killed. <laughs> it's just very yeah. weird. Um, all right, are we moving to art style or you want to stick with some of the game design stuff still? Now we nailed it pretty much. Yeah, we've been stuck on on game design for a little while. <laughs> yeah. um, so art style, um, I mean, we talked about it. Uh, it, it. It's running off Unreal Engine 4. Um, I think, you know, really that's part of the big reason why they're able to pump out so many of these games is um, they're really running on, on Unreal. Uh, the last one was also... Oh, no, actually, sorry, Until Dawn was running on Decima, which is a proprietary game engine um, by Guerrilla Games. But um, a lot of mocap happening these days with Unreal Engine 4. Of course, it's a very, very widely adopted tool. Um, I will say it, there was parts where it was breaking in some weird ways, um, like facial animation stuff, teeth would show, like hair. I don't know. It, it, it There was moments where something just clearly did not load when they would cut from one character talking to another. And it just did not look good. It just looked really bad. Uh, and it probably happened once a chapter, maybe every, you know, 30 minutes or so. You'd kind of get a feel like you got a little peek behind the curtain in something that's supposed to be real movie like real cinematic. You know, you would just see characters not look right like their face would just not look right. Um, and the water, the fucking water animation, dude, like. I'm just not over the way that looked. It's like, doesn't this water animate itself in this engine? It just felt like they were like throwing a water overlay on the screen, like a flat water overlay that like went in and out of the characters. It was so, it was so bad. Yeah. I, I remember something that stood out to me about, um, the Corey or excuse me, until Dawn was just how bad, like some of the frame rate drops were. And then here, you know, the frame rate's great, but then all of a sudden they decided to just take a step back on the animations. And yeah, I mean, I, I was just blown away how bad the water looked. <laughs> I know we keep hopping on the water, harping on the water, but I cannot emphasize enough just how bad it looked. Um, <laughs> I have to find some clips and show the Discord or something. Something was Discord odd about the mocap where like it just seemed like the way faces were moving weren't totally natural. Um, almost like the like the capture was off in some way. Um, yeah. And I, I just want to can't emphasize enough as well, just how bad the werewolf design was. They literally just took the Wendigo basically from until dawn and changed the teeth. Um, yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, you know, as far as I guess the like set design of the game and stuff, they didn't really give themselves a lot of opportunity to make it good. Cause you know, you're basically, you bounce between like three settings, either a cabins in the woods um, like an underground quarry or you're in a junkyard, you know, or, or the forest for, um, so pretty uninspired all around. I don't know, given like the setting of the game, what they could have done to make that better, but just very uninspired, I'd say. Yeah, I agree with that too. I mean, everything about it is, um, there's like a, there's like a fine line here. I think that I was trying to like get at this a little bit earlier. It's like, they're trying to establish a lot of cliches, like even if you look at the poster for the quarry, it's like clearly based off of like a 1980s slasher movie, movie font, you know, 
um, the poster, the full moon, the werewolf stuff, the fact that we're in like a camp in the woods. It just, it screams like, you know, Friday the 13th, like sleepaway camp, you know, uh, Texas Chainsaw, Hills Have Eyes. Like it's just like a teenage slasher flick, but a, but a video yeah. game, right? So you have to lean into all these cliches where like these are all like they're going to get drunk. There's like a love interest. Like these people want to have sex with each other. Um, this guy's like kind of the weirdo. This guy's like the eccentric one. It's like they have to lean to all these cliches and like sort of caricatures of characters. But there's a fine line between like caricature caricaturizing someone or something or a situation and then just having it be generic. And I feel like this game kind of leaned more on the generic side of things where even though you had all this time with these people, you had way more hours admit you had way more hours with these characters than you would with anybody in Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Scream or Hills Have Eyes, yeah. right? Any any of the movies that inspired this game. Yet the characters feel just as generic and like cookie cutter as the ones in those movies and in those TV shows, you know? So and I think it, it's just, it's, it's weird. Like, Supermassive is trying to go for this thing, but in going for the thing, they're like being, they're they're leaning too far into it. Uh, they're caricaturizing too much. I don't, I don't really know, like, is that is that fair to say, Matt? Or, you know, is that, would you they're agree just, with yeah, that? They're just, yeah, leaning too heavy into the trope, yeah. Leaning too heavy into the trope. There you go. Yeah. Um, moving to sound design... I actually thought the soundtrack was good. I, I was listening to it a bit earlier. It definitely has like the teenage, you know, they, they, they nailed it very well. It's just like the kind of, it felt like I was watching an American Pie movie at some point, you know, just like with the, <laughs> the music we had going. Um, just like that summer camp teenage movie vibes, they nailed it. Largely though, the voice acting, <clears throat> excuse me, largely though, the, uh, the voice acting here was pretty, pretty bad. Um, I'd say mm-hmm. it was carried by three people um, among a cast of like 11 or 12. Um, Brenda Song did very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted Ramey, who plays the cop, Travis, I thought performed very well. And then uh, who's the other one? The guy that played Nick, uh, Evan Everoga. No, not Nick. Yeah. Um, Are you thinking of was... uh, Jacob? No, Zach no, Tinker? The other... No, no, no. Uh, Dylan. My, oh, yeah. Dylan. Dylan's, yeah, Dylan. Miles mm-hmm. Robbins. I thought he had a very good performance as well. But largely everyone was kind of bad. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> I, very I not not great. Um, particularly Ryan's actor, Justice Smith, was just incredibly bad and for those that aren't familiar justice smith actually played um the main character in the live action pokemon movie that came out i think that was in 2018 or 2019 and i'm actually going to go ahead and i'm going to blame the director on this because justice smith's character in this was just very bland very monotone very unexpressive yeah and i think that's just the direction he was given but because I actually I went back and I before we recorded and I watched a few clips of the Pokemon movie and like the, he knows how to act like he's not a bad actor like he can clearly express emotion and like do it well, but um, I just think he was given terrible direction in this in this performance here because um, it was just 
not capitalizing on like his human side at all. He was basically just playing like kind of a robot in a lot of ways. Yeah. Just yeah, really, sure. really disappointing. Um, and, oh, and I liked the fortune teller um, who was played by Grace Zabriskie. Lucas, yeah, do you know who that good. is? Yeah, she's on uh, Twin Peaks, right? She's on Twin Peaks, baby. She plays Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks. Yeah, um, really so great awesome. show. I have a poster of that here in my room. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I enjoyed her performance, even though her character didn't add much to the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm in agreement for, with you for the most part on all that. Um, you know, those those the uh, the direction for some of those actors was very questionable. Um, and it didn't, the, the weird facial animations and stuff probably really didn't help. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit on the music part. I did think that the music was a little lame in between those chapters. Um, like it would be like a really scary moment where like a character would nearly die or someone would get bit by a wolf or like there's a dead body and all of a sudden like a pop song would play. That, that kind of took me out of it I, a little bit. Let me rephrase my, my original thought. I liked the music itself, but the timing of how they used it was bad. Yeah, yeah, because like it's weird when you it, like because there's music like in the game too where it was like just I remember there's a point where like someone died or like something like meaningful happened or like something that was like a very normal interaction happened and they started playing like this teenage romance song. Yeah, and that I was were, weird. Like, what like we're like is this supposed to be like a meaningful moment? Yeah, it was weird. And like, I just I just don't think that the, they nailed the tone, the tone there, because it was supposed to be like, again, I'm not quite sure if they're trying to be caricature-y and like lean into like stereotypes about this genre, or if they're just like making the wrong choice in general and just like being generic themselves. So yeah, I mean, I feel like that's that's at times where the music was. It was it was kind of lame and just just didn't really fit. Um, that's all I got for sound design, you know, I, I mean, it's a lot of the stuff just works and uh you know I, I would have probably liked to have seen like a little bit more of like attention given to the sound design of like the way the werewolves move and talk and scream and stuff like that i don't feel like there was like i feel like isaac's in in dead space isaac's grunts are more recognizable than anything the werewolf did and like i don't remember i don't have a single like like standout piece of audio that that's that i can give to the werewolves they were kind of just like generic kind of growly monster things you know maybe even they the Wendigo, even, even the Wendigo had like, like werewolves better. huh they didn't even look like werewolves yeah and they're yeah they're when you're calling them werewolves they don't look like werewolves they look like monsters with long arms and they're tall and strong and stuff um yeah you know uh probably more attention given to the werewolf sound design on that end and uh you know just just to sell us on the scariness of of these monsters a little bit because every monster needs to have some signature sounds to it i don't feel like we really got that yeah gosh yeah i just really quickly pulled up actually <laughs> remus lupin's werewolf form from a uh, harry potter <laughs> and like that's a good werewolf you know that was like, pretty solid clearly, werewolf yeah that's clearly a canine you know but it's also very clearly like still kind of human um yeah so I just wish. Yeah, let me pull up. Uh, let me pull up Jacob's werewolf. The werewolf transformation transformations were really shitty too. Um, yeah, they were. <laughs> yeah, you, I you know, like it would have been so cool to like see them like form into a werewolf, 
like as the transformation happened. But instead, when when they would turn into werewolves, we just got some groaning, and then they literally exploded, like like their skin exploded off them, and then they turned into a werewolf. Yeah, very, that was uh, very kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, we can move on to uh, NPC award. What you got, Matt? Uh, fortune teller Eliza. Um, okay. Again, as I just mentioned, played by Grace Zabriskie. Now it's kind of interesting because a, a lot of the characters actually are playable, so we had to get a little bit creative here. Um, but no, you know, I, I liked your performance a lot. I always, even though I didn't get a lot from them, I always looked forward to just see, you know, hearing her talk in the cut scenes we had with her. And the fact that she's played by the girl that played Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks just adds to her clout. Love it. All right. Um, NPC award for me is the mom who got her face shot off. Um, oh, just <laughs> an idiot. That, and that's like that. The reason I'm picking that for NPC awards, because that's actually um, one of my favorite moments of the playthrough that that was a genuinely shocking moment because it like looked really creepy. It was kind of scary. Um, you know, it was dumb the way it happened because it was literally like an old lady trying to fight yeah. a, a shotgun yeah. away from like a young person and like just get shot in the face. And like, she doesn't like, get what did shot she expect? In the, yeah. yeah, it's like her her head doesn't get blown off, but like she gets shot in this specific angle where like the bullets scrape upward past her face and like scrape her skin. Up. It, it looks pretty twisted. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm giving the NPC award over to the mom. Love it. All righty. Companion piece. Lucas, I'm curious. What do you got here? Okay. I, I really hope I didn't pick this one last year. Like during spooky season, I'm going with scream by Wes Craven. I don't think I picked this before. Have I? I'm going to go keep keep going. Explain yourself. I'm going to go check the news. Scream, Wes Craven, 1996 movie. Genuinely an incredible, incredible movie, not just as a horror movie, but as a movie unto itself. I watched it a few years ago um, just because I was looking for a scary movie to watch, like a slasher. So I put it on and I was so surprised at how good this movie is. I mean, I grew up with it a little bit and grew up with the franchise, um, but I definitely was too young to understand what the movie was actually doing. It's a meta horror movie and it's like it's a scary movie about scary movies. So it actually has a very similar vibe to what the quarry is going through, where the quarry is like, you know, like Ryan's listening to a horror podcast or like a supernatural podcast. And like there's a lot of self-awareness with the quarry about what it is and what it's trying to be. And Scream does that all as well. And David Arquette is in both. David Arquette is in uh, The Quarry as well. I don't think we've mentioned that he's in it. Um, he's also in Scream. Mm -hmm. But Scream is extremely successful in everything that it does, where it's being a caricature of a scary movie while itself being very scary and itself being like kind of disturbing and twisted and psychological while, again, poking fun at the fact that it's doing this. And it's just, it's in the perfect, perfect zone. It's an yeah. amazing horror movie. Amazing Love horror that. movie. Yeah. Also, I don't know why I went, like I only have my notes. I don't have your notes. So I don't know why I said I was going to go back and check. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to yeah. check. I, I don't think, someone can call me out. Maybe a, a hyper you know, fan can, could tell us what, what I've said before. But, um, all right, yeah, mine was actually, uh, I went um, went for some literature here. Um, I picked Desperation by Stephen King. Um, nice. Obviously, Stephen one. King is, you know, pretty much known for being kind of the, the godfather of horror, you know, as far as books go. Um, and, you know, this movie starts off with a very questionable cop. 
And one of the biggest things in desperation is a very scary and questionable cop. And that's kind of where I'll leave it. There's not really a lot of other similarities there other than they're both supposed to be the horror genre. <laughs> but um, see, you know, I, I actually, I, I read Desperation for a book club that I'm in. And I, I think I gave it a six out of 10 for my rating, um, which isn't great. But it's not terrible. But it's interesting to read a horror book. I recommend everyone at least try one, whether they do Desperation or something else. Um, cause it's interesting to see how a book tries to kind of build that uneasiness and that sense of that sense of dread. So yeah, recommend, um, either that or maybe it, I don't know. Mm, yeah. Pop super popular one for sure. Yeah. All righty, Lucas, this brings us to, Oh, favorite moments. Um, yeah. When the mom gets liked, her head shot off. Yeah, I knew that was going to be yours. I liked <laughs> when we killed the cop, um, that was Travis, the guy that was played by Ted Raimi. Um, I just thought it was like a funny, just like a really random, not random, but just a funny interaction. Like uh, your character, Ryan, just is like, come on, motherfucker, come on. And then you just shoot him with the shotgun, but the cut was so awkward that it was like very, um, what's the word for, like it didn't have the buildup. Um very, oh, it just it skipped over the tension, or how just do you like mean? totally skipped the tension, and just like kind of took what was an intense moment and just like killed it immediately. Yeah, um, <laughs> didn't make the build up; it was building up too, basically. So that was yeah. mine. Uh, alrighty, nitpicks went over a lot of them, but voice acting, monster design, and overall art style are my big ones. Yeah, and I will the say, quick time events. I will say, I think uh, a nitpick of mine within the story that we didn't touch on was. One of the main werewolves that is killing people, you don't even, you don't know, you never met them. You don't know who they are at all. It's one of the kids, like the son, um, the, the werewolf yeah. that bit like some major people was like the son of the camp counselor, uh, like a Hackett family person. And you didn't even know this person exists. I mean, maybe we would have if we gathered a little bit more evidence, but just in our regular playthrough, like average player playthrough, like one of the big bads is just not uh, ever explained. It's just, oh, this was the sun the whole time. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I, I don't like that. And then... Um, it was lazy. The, yeah. Yeah. It was a little lazy. And I'm not sure if you'd call them plot holes, but I feel like there were some plot holes in there. I'm going to be honest. I feel like... I, like, cop kidnaps two people and holds them in jail for three months. No one notices. Like, come on. Like, he's using... He's I putting them in jail. That. I think they were supposed to not have any internet access while they were there. So I think that was the, um, you know, excuse, but um, definitely questionable. Okay. What about the fact that, you know, you become a wolf every full moon. It's a full summer. What the hell was happening during the other full moons? Like they just, everything went, they caged them. They would disappear. They it worked. Well, yeah, there's no summer camp. They were just chilling. going hunting. No, it's a whole summer camp. Aren't they there for a full summer? Maybe, was that the only full moon? Maybe was it was only, only like a, a four-week camp, you know? Like a three-week okay. camp, maybe. Okay, so maybe and then maybe the first plot was brought up. Didn't no, I think you're right. Because don't they say they're like stuck for two months? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so yeah, no so there was happened. at least one other full moon when they were doing it. So or, like during that time at that camp. So something, 
S- somebody was fine one day and uh, during one full moon, and then something fell apart between then and. Damn, and then. I was gonna say there's no way we're right, but yeah, uh, two months later, yeah, no, you're totally right. There's at least one more full. Damn, that's I, so I just more that. just more story bullshit plot potential plot hole type stuff. I don't know if you call it plot hole, but well, it's interesting know, it's too because to they show you one of the full moon transformations when um when uh, Laura gets her eye hurt when she's forced to watch Max transform. Mm-hmm. But then you have no idea how they're handling that down at camp, those transformations. So that's interesting. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I just wanted to point those out. All righty, where does that leave us? We are at, um, yeah, I mean, would you play other games from this developer? I mean, we uh, have. Totally would. I, I think, yeah. I still I, get I mean, a I, kick I just, out of these. Like, I, no, I can recognize that it's just an entertainment, not a good no, game. No, I know, I know. That's that's where I'm at, too. Like, I'm only really going to be playing these games if me and you are having beers and playing these games. I, I would yeah. not seek out any of these games to play on my own. Um, I'm, it would definitely just frustrate me, and, like, I'd get impatient and get annoyed, and I, I really probably wouldn't be able to make through this game if we weren't playing it for the pod and playing it in the way that we did. So I would personally not play any games by this developer by myself, but you know, spooky season with buddies, then yes. Yeah, I concur. All righty. Um, final conclusive thoughts. Eh. <laughs> That's eh. A, we've, we've said it all. We've said it all. Yeah. Let's go ahead and jump to the rating. All right, everyone. We have reached the point where Lucas and I give our ratings out of 10. Uh, We then add them up to 20, and that is the ultimate rating for the game, usurping everything else, whether that's Game Informer, IGN, GameSpot, what have you. Uh, All right, Lucas, on on my after I howl in honor of the werewolves, (laughs) I would like you to give us your rating, and I'll give you mine. Okay. Five. Five. All right. We're in sync. (laughs) Yeah, we're on sync. We just we just recorded Dead Space and. Oh, wait, no, can't give away what we rated that one yet because <laughs> this is coming out before Dead Space. Um, yeah, okay, fives. So it's 10. This game got a 10. This game got a 50%. Uh, I can recognize a bad game, but I had fun playing it given the time. Yeah, we yeah, I, now, that's but. the story of this whole entire episode, you know. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully, the big takeaway for our audience is watch Scream. It's really good. Watch Scream. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, well, ooh. Uh, I think. That's all I got. Matt, you got anything else? Nah, I think that's all we got today for you, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our special extra episode. Um, I, like I said, I, unfortunately, mine and Lucas's schedule just doesn't really allow for two games a month, but I'm glad we were able to find the time to uh, kind of go back to our roots and yeah. give you a double game episode this month, and I hope you all enjoyed. Um, all right, everyone. Uh, if you want to find your good buddy, Matt, you can find me online at uh, good idea, Matthew, on Twitter. Uh, Lucas, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at goodideaLucas, or you could find me in our Discord server. Feel free to message me about whatever, anything from really cool horror movies to Magic the Gathering to some WoW. I just got a Steam Deck. Talk to me about Steam Deck or gaming on Linux. Whatever you want, hit me up. And everyone, as a reminder, as well, you can find the link to our Discord and any of our social media handle link trees. That's at TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. At TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. You can also shoot us an email at thanksplainpod at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, you know, tell a friend about the podcast. We love to spread the good TFP word and get more lovely listeners like yourselves into our little uh, little full big out going on here. But um, all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. This has been...
Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Scooby-Doo-Bop. Thanks for playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch, Red Circle, 